Actually, I was saying so much a lot, and one of the scriptures that he used is exactly one of the scriptures I intended to use. I'm just going to be reading it. And then I say some other things. And some of you do not really understand precisely the issue of the Lord's Supper in the Bible. The Lord's Supper is the same thing as a peace offering. It is the same thing as what they call the Passover feast. In the true sense. They are connected. But I just want to call this peace offering. And I'll make you see how we have to celebrate this. Not just like any other service. You know, when the children of Israel were to celebrate the Passover, it is in commemoration of the fact that they have been brought out of bondage into freedom from Egypt. Is that okay? Right. And something has to go along with it. Part of what we are partaking was peace offering. And the bottom line was because now they are reconciled to God. They are united with God. So they have to partake of a particular feast. Now, let's just read, just like we read before, for the sake of those who are not around, we're still going to look at that scripture. The peace offering is a covenant fellowship by a meal with God. So, Genesis 26, I'll give you typical examples from that, just like what you read. Isaac, Abimelech, and all that. How things were not working out, how they were driving him. There was no peace, there was no settlement. All things were kind of rough with him. Now, let it from verse 30 alone. The Bible says, now let's say from verse 26. Now, verse 26. Then Abimelech went to him from Gerah and Hazon. One of his friends and Pekon, the chief captain of his army, and Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come here to me, saying, You hate me, and have sent me away from you. That means there was no accord, no peace between them. And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And we said, Let there be now an oath between us, and that is, even between us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee, thou with that thou should do us no hurt, as we have not touched thee, and as we have not done unto thee nothing but good, and have sent thee away in peace. Thou art now the blessed of the Lord. Now look at verse 30. And he made them what? A feast. And they did eat and drink. I want you to know the word eat and drink. He made them a feast and they eat and drink. Very important. Now, just like he said in the morning... When you eat and drink with somebody, you are entering into a covenant relationship with that individual. You are putting behind all your hatred, you are putting behind all animosity. Everything that seems to have been a barrier between you and that individual, you are putting them behind. God was a church without spot or wrinkle. He wanted a church, a fellowship that is in fact, where brethren can see eye to eye. You must understand the principle of one putting a thousand and two putting ten thousand to a flight. Only when they are united. Now unity is not a question of we are in the same uniform. Unity is not uniformity. Now maybe 
Men fellowship so one uniform. Women fellowship so one uniform. Or the church come with one uniform. That is no unity. That is uniformity. You can be uniform, but your hearts are far apart. But God wants our heart to be one. And if I have to partake of your meal, and you partake of my meal, we are cutting a covenant that I cannot hurt you, and you cannot hurt me. Just like Abimelech was speaking to Isaac. Are you listening to this? You have to understand this principle. So what you are about to experience today goes beyond just church service. And it is not something that has to do with you getting overfilled. I mean, so much to eat. No. Understand the principle and know that you are cutting a covenant not just with God this morning but with the brethren. Because for every bit of what you are going to partake, somebody provided. Hallelujah. Turn the book of 2 Samuel chapter 17. Chapter 3 rather. 2 Samuel chapter 3. I'm reading from verse 17. And Abner had communicated. Now don't forget. There's a strong word we read in Genesis 26. The Bible says. Now we observe and have noted that God is with you. Men we definitely see that. Remember that was one of the prayer points. Is that okay? You have no need to prove who you are. But God is going to walk through you to prove who you are. Amen. Is that okay? Yeah. Second Samuel 3. I'm reading from verse number 17. And Abner had communicated with the elders of Israel saying, You search for David in times past to be king over you. Now then do it. For the Lord has spoken of David saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of their enemies. And Abner also spake in the ears of Benjamin. And Abner went also to speak in the ears of David in Hebron. All that seemed good to Israel. And that seemed good to the whole house of Benjamin. How many of you understand that Saul came from the tribe of Benjamin? Now you see, the kind of problem was in the house of Benjamin and the house of David. But something is bringing them together. Someone is speaking to bring them together. Peace will eventually reign between the house of Benjamin and the house of David. Are you following this? Verse 20 says, So Abner came to David to Hebron and 20 men with him. And David made Abner and the men that were with him what? What do you think he was doing here? Are you sure of what you are saying? Let's call the covenant. If you mean what you are saying, then let's eat together. Are you still there? Hallelujah. Verse 21, And Abner said to David, I will rise and go, and I will gather all Israel unto my Lord the King, that they may make a league with thee. What's a leak? A covenant. And that army has reigned over all that thy heart desired. And David sent Abner away and he went in peace. Not in trouble. He went in peace. By the time we finish feasting, you are also living here in peace. Hallelujah. Every trouble 
that seems to be besetting you by the grace of the Lord and by the partaking of this today shall come to an end. So Abner went and gathered the whole of Israel and finally David became a king. But the key thing I want you to know that he made them a feast and they ate together. Hallelujah. Do you know the kind, of, the kind of churches we have today, denominations we have today, it is even difficult for brethren to eat in their fellow members' house. We are also suspicious of one another. I don't understand. And you call that the church of God? You call that the body of Christ? I don't know. Because of the kind of teachings, we are so suspicious of one another, how the other person can harm us and all manner of things. Because we are so double-minded. On one hand we see God, on the other hand we see the devil. Hallelujah. Now, let me take a little bit deeper. There are some things you need to understand. Exodus 24. Exodus 24, the peace offering. I'm reading from verse number 10. Hallelujah. And they saw the God of Israel. Now these children of Israel, when they came together, remember, they were coming to receive the law, if you will, the commandments. And they saw the God of Israel. And it was under his feet as it were a paperwork of sapphire stone. And as it were the body. Exodus 24. Are you there? The source as it were the body of heaven is what? In a clearness. Are you following it? Ten I said. Is it not there? Good. Exodus 24 verse number 10. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. Now, I don't want to talk about the body of heaven, but he started speaking about the house of God. When you talk about the body of heaven in the, New Te- the Old Testament, it's synonymous to the body of the Lord, or the Lord's body, or the body of Christ. In his cleanness, in his perfection, in his beauty, in his glory. We saw the body of heaven. Hallelujah. Now, move down a little bit. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid on his hand. Also they saw God. And what happened? They did eat and drink. Where was God at the wedding and drinking? With God. What is happening here? They were cutting a covenant with God. After they finished, after God has finished talking about the Ten Commandments and all of the judgments, whatever you want to call that. The Bible said they ate and drank. In other words, they were sealing the covenant. So for you to come to anybody, for you to come into a relationship with anybody, the key thing is feasting, which has to do with Eating and what? And drinking. Hallelujah. This is a covenant meal they entered with God. They entered into this covenant as they ate and drank. It was not this eating and drinking that made them foolish and all that. That has to do with the calf, golden calf. But this one is eating and drinking in relation to the covenant they entered with God. Is that okay? Are you getting what I'm talking about? 
So when you are coming to the place of fellowship with God, one of the things you have to do is eating and drinking. Hallelujah. Okay now. This is what Jesus did in inaugurating the New Testament as a Yeshua. As compared to the Yahweh of the Old Testament. Are you listening to this? So when you are talking about the Lost Supper, that was the eating and drinking of the New Testament. God is Yahweh, ate and drank with Israel. Then as Yeshua, he ate and drank with the church of God. Are you getting this? So when Jesus was saying, this is my blood and this is the bread of the new covenant. Understand what he's saying. He's saying you are coming into a relationship with me. Just like God entered into a covenant with the house of Israel. That is something you don't partake carelessly with. Because you are dealing with God. Hallelujah. Now. I won't have time to read all of that, but if you can read Isaiah 25 down to 26, the whole of those two chapters, and Isaiah 63 and verse number 13, I mean 65, 13, you are going to see a principle there. God was talking about his servant that was going to feast with his people. Now, there was something in fulfillment of this particular scripture that the Jewish people were doing. Anytime they were celebrating the feast, which has to do with the the last supper as you call it now what they were doing was when they sit on the table they always put a cup empty cup by one side they be filled the expectation was the Messiah can appear at any time and partake of that cup for them to be joined together so anytime they are celebrating the feast the cup is there and this is what Jesus did. If you look at Matthew 26, the Bible tells us that when he came, he broke the bread and he took the cup. If you look at it, he didn't say he took a cup, but he said the cup. It was properly defined. He took the cup. Now, what he's trying to say, I am the Messiah you are expecting. Do you understand that? He took the cup to prove his messiahship to the Jewish people. Because they were always expecting that when the messiah come, he would take the cup. So they kept the cup there. They know what they were doing. Everything they did and everything Jesus did were prophetic and significant. He wasn't just doing anything because he said he came to fulfill the whole scriptures. So not one jot of the Lord shall pass away without being fulfilled. Is that okay? Are you getting what I'm talking about? So he took the cup, which was a cup of expectation that he found that when the Messiah appears, he's going to partake of this cup. We drink together. And that we enter into another covenant relationship. They expected it, and Jesus fulfilled it. Is that okay? Are you getting this? Praise the living God. And so, this is very important. Now, you know, the Lost Supper, you can read from several others, but if you look at Matthew 26, from 26 to 29, you know exactly what happened? Is that okay? 26 to 29, what the Bible says, just read it, mighty 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciple and said, Take it, this is my blood. And he took the cup, verse 27, and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. Now, 
I, I, I stumbled into a particular paraphrase of this scripture by I think a Jewish rabbi or something like that I can, I can know. But I want to read the paraphrase because there are two things that were so strong there that I discovered. That is this particular passage we just quoted. There is a way this man paraphrases and this is what he said. For this, for this is that blood of mine. When he said that blood of mine, it was prophetic there. For this is the blood of man which was pointed out by all the sacrifices under the Jewish law. And particularly by the shedding and sprinkling of the blood of the Paschal Lamb. That blood of the sacrifice slain for the remix ratification of the new covenant. The blood ready to be poured out for the multitudes. The whole Gentile world as well as the Jews. For the taking away of sins. Sin whether original or actual. In all his power and guilt, in all his eternal energy and pollution, understand this. <laughs> so, if you understand now, 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 this is what Paul was saying. Some of you are dying because you do not understand the feast you are partaking in. Because this feast ought to take away the power of sin. Whether actual or original. In all his power and guilt. In all his eternal energy and pollution. See, that thing that causes you to continually and perpetually sin can be dealt with in partaking of the feast of the Lord. Are you getting what I'm talking about? So what we're entering into, my friend... Is serious. The Lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world. The Bible says. Is that okay? <laughs> that means he's dealing with the root. That means sicknesses in our bodies can be dealt with as we partake of this. The root. Every form of pollution. The eternal energy of pollution. Can be dealt with. By you partaking in sincerity of heart. With absolute understanding. What we're about to do. You know, in the in my brother's how do put it now? Okay, all the churches you know where they do the Lord's Supper. Uh, there are some people who are not qualified to eat. Remember that? <laughs> what means? What I mean? The priest is trying to say your sins should not be dealt with for now. It's only those of us who are in the upper class who can have our sins dealt with. You, you, you just stay there with your sin. That's what they're trying to say, because it's not meant for one man. It's meant for the whole body. Am I talking to someone? They ate or drank. It didn't say the Aaron priesthood ate and drank with God. The whole congregation ate or drank. So, we are dealing with something that has to do with our lives, with our souls, with our spirit. Hallelujah. Seeing whether original or actual in all of his power and guilt. How many of you understand that most often so many of us who are so guilt conscious that we can't even live in the presence of the Lord? Do you understand that? We are so guilt conscious that we can't even stand in the presence of the Lord. We can't worship him with open hands. We don't, our hearts are so full of guilt. But something is going to happen to you today. 
Hallelujah. You need a freedom. You need a liberty that you need to have to worship the Lord. And we are talking about what will bring you into it. You are living here with absolute peace. Can somebody say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Now, like Max quoted in the morning, if you go to act after two, I'm not going to quote that, but I want to show you something. What the, the apostles finally begin to understand when we're partaking of that has to do with why Jesus was eating and drinking with publicans and sinners. They begin to understand for the first time. Now we know why Jesus was eating and drinking. Don't you know this story? Okay, let's look at the book of Matthew, for instance, chapter number, number 11, Matthew 11. You can also read Luke 15, verse 2, but Matthew 11, verse number 18 to 19. Uh, let me show you this. Whew. Hallelujah. For John came, neither eating or drinking, and they say, How the devil? <laughs> the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Behold, a man glutonious and a wine by a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. Hallelujah. What do they mean John was not eating and drinking? We think because he was in the wilderness. That's what we have always believed. He had no covenant to court. Come on now. Are you saying this? We think John was a recluse. So he was saying it. And so he doesn't have to eat and drink with people. Jesus wasn't talking about that. He was saying John had no covenant to court with anybody. He was a messenger to prepare the way. Now I have come eating and drinking with publicans. What am I doing? I'm cutting a covenant with these people. So that their sins can be wiped away. Am I talking to someone here? That's what it means. Jesus eating and drinking with publicans and sinners. The apostles begin to understand for the first time. By the time they started doing this. Hallelujah. Actually in the book of Acts and the last supper. They saw the very fulfillment. Of what Jesus was doing. In drinking and drinking with publicans. Publicans partaking of his table. You see how David had to get a feast for Abner. And even the house of Benjamin. That they might come together. He was kind of reconciling them. Bringing them together. Abner there was a type of the Holy Spirit. Reconciling the people back to their king. I follow what I'm talking about here. But John does not have a covenant to court with anybody because he was not supposed to be instituting any covenant other than the covenant of the Lord Jesus. Are you following this? But Jesus came and was eating and drinking with publicans and sinners because he was bringing the battle himself and they have to do that in instituting the table of fellowship. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Now when the apostles were doing that in the book of Acts chapter 2, they were beginning to see for the very first time what Jesus was doing. So listen to me. The loss of that goes beyond the issue of just taking some slice of bread and drinking some wine. After in the true sense of it, if you want to follow the real principle of what we call the loss of you are not supposed to use the wine you buy from the market. Because the wine they were using was not a fermented wine. We got a book study on that. Remember that? We had a study on the loss of The wine they were using was not fermented wine. It was raw grapes. You squeeze it into a cup. If you leave it overnight, you know it must go into fermentation. And once it is fermented, it's no longer pure wine. And the body of Christ cannot see corruption. So his blood does not see corruption. So if you use the wine in the market as a fermented wine, that means you are saying the body of Christ saw corruption. 
<laughs> God help us. <laughs> Are you seeing this? Hallelujah. So the body of Christ cannot see corruption. Therefore the wine we are talking about is actually his blood. And the Holy Spirit he have nothing to do with what you buy in the market. Because every bottle you buy in the market have gone through a process. You have seen corruption. So you cannot think of it celebrating what you call the Lord's Supper. The way that you think it to be with those natural things. That can never be the body of Christ. Neither the blood of Jesus. And you can substitute it. And people talk about substitution. You can't substitute the blood of Jesus for wine and undergone corruption. Because the blood of Jesus did not see corruption. Are you still there? So, that's why you need to design the body and what he is doing. Okay. If you look at those two scriptures, I will be true now. If you look at the book of Leviticus chapter 7. Leviticus 7. Verse number 20 to 21 I read. But the soul that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering. Remember what I'm dealing with the peace offering. Is that okay? Which is in the most of the Lord's Supper, which has to do with what they can call Passover because we've come out from Egypt, come out from the world, and God is cutting a covenant with us. It's coming to the place of peace. Leviticus 7, verse 20. But he saw that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings that pertain unto the Lord. Having his uncleanness upon him, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Can you see what I mean now? Moreover, the soul that shall touch any unclean thing, as the uncleanness of man, or an unclean beast, or any abominable unclean thing, and eat of the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offerings, which pertain unto the Lord, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. This is what Paul meant when he says, Some of you eat and you die. Did you get this? You partaking of the peace offering and there is uncleanness. What form of uncleanness are we talking about now? The hatred, the bitterness, the unforgiving spirits that are locked up within our members. You are in church and you want to partake of this feast. You see how boring those things, they speak against you when you leave fellowship. Because it's a covenant of peace, it's a covenant of relationship, it's a covenant of reconciliation. Are you hearing this? And so the Bible says, if any soul partake of this feast in an unclean state, bitterness, hatred, the Bible tells us where does these things come from? He said they come from where? From within your mind. That means you got to make up your mind now. That means you got to clean up right now. Am I talking to somebody? Very important, significant for you to go with, because see, God's word is real. And there is nothing it does without actually producing results. So don't tell me you don't get results when we are true. You better check your heart. Because instead of speaking for you, it could speak against you. Now, I'm not putting you on that cause. <laughs> Somebody should start praying now. Huh? God help me. I remember God help me. Am I talking to someone? Hallelujah. Very important, very significant because changes are coming your way. Mm. Even the word that we're blood begin to produce water. Remember that? Very important. Very important. But you've got to check your heart. You can't partake of this peace offering with the polluted spirits of malice, hatred, envy, jealousy, backbiting, gossiping. You can't be part of that. If we are 20, but with one mind, <laughs> we are more than 2,000 with 2,000 minds. 
Papa, don't you know somebody? Now, see, the Lord was sharing something with me. He said, out of the heart of men, one heart, many men. It is out of the hearts of men. Out of the hearts of men. Read your Bible. One heart, many people sharing the same thing. Huh? Proceed all these things out of the hearts of men. One heart, many people. It is out of the hearts of men. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you allow the Holy Spirit to make you see some things. Witness, all humanity without Christ have one mind. And when you come to Christ, what mind is about to have? The mind of Christ. One mind, many people. Did you get the picture now? Those in the world have one heart, many people. They proceed evil thoughts. But in Christ, we have one mind, many people, the mind of Christ. Producing life and peace, if you will. Hallelujah. And so, you can now move down to the New Testament, which is 1 Corinthians 11. You can read from verse 23, but we're going to read from verse 27. In relation to Leviticus chapter 7, you're going to see the picture now. Look at what it says. 1 Corinthians. Remember, Paul said that God is by revelation. So, it's not something that people taught him. <laughs> and so, we, it's not something we transfer from one person to the other. It's not something that went through the Bible, uh, what they call Sunday school class or something. Paul God is by revelation, he said. Verse 27, are you there? Therefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the blood unworthily shall be guilty of the blood and the body of the Lord. What body of the Lord? Just like we have the body of heaven in his cleanness in Exodus 24 verse number 11. Remember that? Hello? Are you following it? Whoever drinks and eats this blood unworthily, what is your worthiness? The state of your mind towards your brother. The state of your mind towards the fellowship. The state of your mind towards the body of Christ. If you can't design the body, if you can't understand what the body means, the Bible says, you eat unworthiness unto your body. You shall be guilty. The same thing when it said, they shall cut off. In Leviticus 27. Are you following the picture now? Now you can understand why there are a lot of sickness in churches and yet they partake of the Lord's feast. Hmm? Yeah, I see. I believe in all of those miracles, healing, signs, and wonders. I'm so, I'm, I'm, I believe so much in it. But one thing I've only challenged me, and certain people misunderstand me. If the Old Testament produced so much result in the wilderness that the people were not feeble, they were strong, there was no sick men among them, I believe the blood of Jesus is stronger than our covenant. And so in the church, we ought not to have sick people. No way. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I'm not interested in that. I just want to have believe that God can help my faith to reach out to whoever I pastor that sickness will be far from their tabernacles. That's my belief. It's, it's not something you come to church every day, you sickness all over the place. No, man. Wilderness, no sickness. Why do we have to have that in God's kingdom? So I don't rejoice in all of this. I believe those who don't know the Lord can be sick. And we have to pray for them. Because it's a royal priesthood. Am I talking to someone here? Everybody is a priest here. According to the scriptures. Though there are rankings in the priesthood. Because you have the Levites. Alright. And then you have the Aaronic priesthood. So these are ranks. But every congregation. The whole of Israel was a royal priesthood in relation to other nations. Remember that? 
So what am I trying to say? We as priests are all to be strong, healthy, vibrant to be able to minister to the sick world. So what pertains to the world is not supposed to pertain to us. I don't want to see sickness in your physical body. God said we have to be hurt even as our soul prospered. We don't take joy in sickness. I don't believe it. And I'm trusting God that God will help my faith to reach out to way by pastor. That sickness will be far from your tabernacle. It's not something to rejoice in. It's not something to be talked about all the time. It's not something we... Somebody said, do you not pray for the sick? I do pray for the sick. But I don't want to be praying for my people sick all the time. If any of you agree as touching anything. Can we agree on what I'm talking about now? Because if any two of you shall agree as touching anything, we are talking equal sickness in our motor bodies. That we should not experience it. It's not a joy laying hands on people all the time who are sick. You go out and lay hands on people there. If the wilderness produced so much power, no feeble man, no sick person, everybody was strong. God's kingdom is much more than the wilderness experience. We got to be strong and powerful. I hate sickness with all my strength. And I hate it for you too. Whatever name anybody want to call that. There's no minor sickness. Sickness is sickness. Right from headache to anything. Sickness is sickness. I hate it. And this thing is going to pour the root of this thing today. I'm not here for jokes. Hallelujah. So, First Corinthians, we said, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the blood, of the body and the blood of, of the Lamb. But let every man examine himself. Can you see that? So let him eat of, the, of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not designing the Lord's body. Did you get it? Hallelujah. Not designing the Lord's body. Not understanding what we are doing. This is my blood. This is my, my flesh. Eat and drink the blood of the new covenant. The body is not just the physical body of Jesus. The body is the church. Is the head of the body which is the church. Remember that? Ephesians 2 verse 22. Is the head of the body which is the church. The church is the body of Christ. Huh? Listen. If I touch your flesh, I'm touching the flesh of Jesus. Somebody say, how can that be? You ate his bread. Did you not? Whatever you eat becomes alive in you. If you drink his flesh and eat his blood, he has to multiply your body. He has given you his body. I'm sorry to say, this could be funny, but he doesn't have a body anymore because you are his body. <laughs> Did you understand what I'm saying? So why you are seeing someone you're not seeing? Let us know we know man, any man after the flesh. Let's not see some people. Let's see Christ standing before us. See, if you can't love the man you see, how can you love the God you don't see? What does that mean to you? God has become man in your front. But anytime you look at man, you're looking at his hygienate, looking at Agnes, looking at Bobo. Huh? <laughs> but that is God standing here. That's why we don't treat people with value. Because we don't know God is manifesting through them. So we don't treat them with value. They treated Jesus because they failed with the carpenter. They never knew God's Christ in the body. The same problem we have today. 
You look at people in the street, you are looking at human beings. They are not human beings. They are carriers of the divinity of God. We just clothed divinity with this flesh. Just like the ark of glory was clothed, though a sheet of wood, but gold on top. God was the divinity. Clothed in the wood, earthen vessel. We have this treasure. Hallelujah. Look at 1 John. Let me now show you this. Very significant. 1 John chapter 1. I read two scriptures there or three. Three verses. 1 John chapter 1. Look at verse 5. This then is a message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. That God is light. <laughs> and in him is what? It's not darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with God who is light and walk in darkness which is understanding hatred, evil, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is the light, we have fellowship with how many people? One Come on, that's what I want you to pick there. If we walk in the light, what do we do? We have fellowship with one another. And look at the next thing. And the blood of Jesus Christ is on cleanses us from all. All, not some. Can you see the power of fellowship? Hallelujah. Yeah, you got it. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm talking about? If we say we walk in the light and we share fellowship with one another, then the blood will begin to walk. And what does he do? He begins to cleanse us from all sin, not some, all, all, all. So you see that this fellowship we are talking about can produce a lot of results in your life. Fellowship. That's something we don't play with. Now, I could just summarize all of this. The effect of this love offering, I mean peace offering, is this. Number one, it brings reconciliation between us and God. It produces peace. Between us and God, it gives us access to the mercy seat and grace to help in all times of need. As a part of this fellowship, that means you come to a place where you can have access to the Father because the table of the Lord is not the table of devils. Are you still there? Hallelujah! It's the table of the Lord. So as you partake of the table of the law, like we're talking about, which is the body of Christ now, you have access to the presence of God. You have come to the place of reconciliation. You come to the place of peace, the peace which God offers. He said, the joy that I give unto you is a type that no man can take from you. Am I talking to someone here? This is the result of this. And so, I want you to understand that as we're coming to this feast today, we are not just plain, we are not... Remember what Paul said, examine yourself before you come to partake. Now I'm not stopping you not to partake. Because I know you are doing the examination already. Hallelujah. Examination means a test. And what is a test? Do I still hate somebody? Did I offend somebody? Nothing stops you when you leave this meeting. Take your phone and call somebody. Laura, the trouble of yesterday, I'm sorry about it. Am I talking to someone now? Remember, see the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Reconcile with her men. Make peace in your heart. Make peace in your members. Make peace with one, one another. 
Some people, he's a pastor, but you don't understand this person. That, but on your part, be sure there is nothing in your heart if the person refuses to make peace with you. Are you there with me? On your part, be sure there is nothing in your heart as long as that person refuses to make peace with you or reconciliation with you. Don't let that bother you. But make peace as much as possible. We are talking about the peace offering, which is the Lord's Supper. Designing the Lord's body that will bring us into the place of translation. It's shifting us from the life that we're living into another life. Dealing with all roots of witnesses and, and pollutions in our system so that we can become real vessels of honor even in the hands of the Lord. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. Finally, and this is what we anchor in the place of the prayer. Acts chapter 27. You remember the fasting of Paul? You've been on fasting now for this number of days. Hallelujah. Even on this fast, this long fast, and now you're about to break bread. Hear this? Acts 27 verse 33. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the 14th day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Therefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not an air from your head of any of you perish. No hair shall fall. In other words, you are not dying. You can eat now. You have been fasting, but now break bread. You are not going to die. Hallelujah. Look at the next thing. Wherefore I pray you take some meat, for this is your health. For there shall not an air fall from the head of any of you. And when he had spoken thus, he took bread and gave thanks to God in presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were all of good cheer. Hallelujah. And they also took some meat. And we were all in the ship. 203 score and 16 soul. But the cool thing I want you to know in verse 36. There were they of good cheer. And they also took what? Some meat. He broke bread before the people. Paul understand this principle. It was like a covenant. God have already told him, nobody is going to perish. I've given all these souls to you. Are you packing what I'm talking about? So he came to the place not of a covenant with these people. He's trying to come into a covenant relationship with them, even in that situation. And say, let us break bread. And they broke bread right there in the midst of trouble. And I'm sure it is this bread that Paul broke before them that really saved all the people. Because a covenant of peace is a covenant of wish someone well. You go out there in peace, no troubles. So Paul broke the bread and the Bible said they were all of good cheer. Because God has spoken to him, I've given all these souls into your hand. And none of them are perish. And he said, come on, let's break bread. Let's come into a covenant. Let's come into fellowship. Let's share. That God is right here present with us. Am I talking to someone what I'm telling you? None of you shall perish. Amen. Is that okay? We are going to break bread and none of you shall perish. You've been on this fast and you're coming to the place of breaking bread. We are not just breaking bread. We are sealing it with this covenant of relationship, this fellowship, and the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Shall we bow our head in prayers? I just want you to give some consideration today to the thought so far. 
And don't you ever forget that he who must partake of this feast must examine himself or herself. Do you have hatred? Do you have envy? Do you have jealousy? Do you feel bad? Are you guilty of some things? Examine yourself. Can you remember somebody you offended within the week? Somebody you offended within the week? What did you think about it? Can you remember? Can you remember? Let's examine ourselves. God has come to do us good. He has come to do us good. Did you use some foul languages against people and they feel so bad? <clears throat> Help me. I mean, did you talk to somebody within the week and that thing is making the person feel he could even commit suicide? Ask God for help right now. Is there any language you have used and it's, it's so bad, it's making the person feel so bad? If the Holy Spirit can quicken that to your mind, repent of it right now and see what you're going to do to make amends. It could be just a word. It could be just a word. It could be just a statement you've made. And the person feels, oh God, his life is not worth living. I just want you to think right now. God is here to do us good. Say, loving God. A loving father, say precious father, is here to do us good. We're entering into a new season. You didn't fast for nothing, you didn't fast for nothing, and you can't allow all of this energy wasted to be in vain. You can't allow it to be in vain. Has somebody made you feel so bad that you're saying, God, I can't forgive? This is the time, this is the hour. So terribly bad. No, no, no way. This is the moment. This is the season. And it's for your own good. Clean out your house. Clean out your house. Clean out your house. Clean out your house. Clean out your house before you partake of this feast. Clean out your house right now. Your members, they'll be free. 